Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Alistair, my pronouns are he and him. How we doing? Hot. I'm fucking, fucking clamming, mate. I could eat a scabby horse, so let's fucking rattle this off then. <laughs> oh, one of, one of those Jamie days. has a date with KFC. Let's yeah. get this out. The, let's any, get this done and dusted. Any percent speed run. Let's go. There's gonna, when we finish, there's going to be like a cloud of dust where Jamie was like a millisecond before slowly floating to the ground. Excellent. Jamie, you need to make one of our famous roasts from Project Zomboid, which is just three sticks of butter and then like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> Sound of a deep fat fryer in the background for the editor to take out as this podcast goes on. Mm. Speaking of things that fry... Um... First, first story we've got to cover is special constables will be able to use tasers soon. Oh. Yeah. Is that, hell of hold a on, is that is that relevant to frying because bacon or because taser or uh, both? Take take your pick, <laughs> take your pick. In, okay. in a blue on blue incident, it's both. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. self curing bacon. <laughs> I mean, you've got to imagine there's going to be at least one accidental misfire as they shoot themselves in the foot, right? Because they're less trained than regular cops. There's going to be a lot, regular of fucking, cops. a lot of stunned dogs up and down the country, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately the problem is uh, worse than that. So, at the moment, there are almost 9,000 special constables in England and Wales, which is a <laughs> slight drop on last year's figures, but versus cops, there's, as last year, 135,000 cops in England and Wales. Um, that's that's far too high a fucking number. That's ridiculous. But, uh, that's, you know, an over 5% increase, effectively, uh, of, of amount of people with fucking tasers on the streets. So, that's cool. The Home Office says that allowing them to carry tasers will ensure they're not at a disadvantage when facing an attacker wielding a knife or a marauding terrorist. Maybe they should just fucking hand and scouters out to all of these uh, special consoles <laughs> and they'll know whether or not they're going in under-equipped or not. That's that's true, they could. They could, but they won't. Because they want them to have the, the special electric powers. Uh, they've already put out some little statement with all of this and it's going to be, I think it was actually today um, Pretty Patel was making a speech to the COP conference, which for some reason is a fucking thing. Uh, it basically says, don't worry, they'll get the same training as regular cops. So, I thought I would take a little look and see how tasers were being used in England and Wales by the cops. It is not good. <laughs> the... Oh dear. Yeah, the Independent Office for Police Conduct... Uh, which hilarious concept? That sorry, that's a very, as Jamie would say, load-bearing independent. In yes, that sentence. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Uh, they conducted a review which was completed in twenty twenty one, spanning between twenty fifteen and twenty twenty on taser use in England and Wales. In financial year, because we measure taser use by financial year, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> Well, how else are you going to measure the share price of the um, of the taser manufacturer, right? Jules in uh, Jules shot versus cost ratio. Yeah. Just uh, has taser use decreased since the energy markets have gone haywire? Uh, the inquiring minds would like. Sorry, that's just such a cursed phrase. We measure taser use by financial year. Just yeah. fuck me. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what did you expect? It's the fucking independent office for police conduct. Unbelievable. Um, has anyone uh, has anyone tased themselves in the balls and died? I don't know. I didn't see anything like that because I didn't do a rob and like you know deep dive a three hundred page report. Well, I didn't see much you know point I mean? in inflicting that much damage. The Americans myself. are ahead of us again. Well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so in financial year 2017-2018, there were uh, 17,000 incidents of taser use, or, as the, the, yeah, as the report phrases it, incidents in which a taser was used. Um, <laughs> incidents in which a taser was in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, does that mean, hang on, does that include, like, you know, the cops in Devon using the taser as, like, a doorstop, for example? Does that count as an incident in which a taser was used? No, I think, no, I I think, think it so needs to somehow. be discharged for it to count. Uh, the figure of 17,000 there from 2017-18 well, doubled to 32,000 in 2019-20. Fucking well, hell. If the criteria is just a discharge, then then tasing oneself in the balls with one would be counted then. It would wear it in England and Wales, but it wasn't. I mean, if he's tasing himself in the balls, it might count, it might count twice when you think about it. <sighs> yeah, let's think about that. No, let's not. <laughs> um, your KFC will take longer if we do that. So I have had a little look at a couple of incidents that have occurred that were notable because obviously tasers are the non-lethal solution to applying force, which are somehow lethal. Uh, uh, D- David, you, you you're forgetting that the the new lo- nomenclature is less than less lethal, not not non-lethal. That's so, true. It's less than lethal, which is still a misnomer, but we'll overlook. Apart it. from apart from all the people that get killed, obviously. Yeah. Well, uh, there was before this took place outside the scope of this um, this report in 2014. Adrian McDonald died after having a police dog set on him and being tasered for 24 seconds while suffering what? a mental health crisis. An inquest... Why tase someone for 24 seconds? Oh, like... it's going to get worse here. Oh, no. An inquest found that McDonald died from the effects of cocaine and stress of incident. <laughs> you mean his heart gave out because he was coked up and then the taser shorted it? Uh, yeah, yeah. also he had a fucking police dog embedded in his arm. The police dog wow. left bites on his arm and leg that went through the skin and fat and into the muscle. Jesus. Fucking hell. Yes, again, while he was undergoing a mental health crisis. So, very fucking cool, very fucking normal. And I've got two incidents in 2017. Uh, there was Mark Cole, 30 years old, was tasered for 43 seconds by a cop <laughs> while suffering a mental health crisis. And he subsequently died. An inquest found he had not been posing a threat. Well, and... the thing uh, you have to remember, the NHS is under a lot of stress at the moment. And mm. if you're so far gone down the path of mental health issues that your only solution is uh, electroconvulsive therapy, then yes. due to cost-cutting measures... I, I mean, mean, you know, it's better, it's better than nothing, right, Alistair? <laughs> Oh, pretty, so yeah, bleak. you could you could fucking spin it as that, yeah. Fuck. Uh, the IOPC concluded that the performance of the officers who dealt with Mark did not fall below expected standards, <laughs> which, while like, wow. true in a funny way, isn't really that funny because they should. That shouldn't be the case. Like, 
And uh, another one that I've got here as well, which is also from 2017, bumper year for it. Uh, Darren Cumberbatch died after being tasered three times, punched up to 15 times, being beaten with a baton, sprayed with CS gas, stamped on and handcuffed as he was having a mental health crisis. Uh, this keeps happening. We uh, we do love our American cultural exports, don't we? Yes, yes. It's, it's important that we emulate the Imperial Corps. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, it's all fucked. And this report came out not long after Patel had, this was last year, um, and the COP conference then said to get out there and really zap the bad people. So she's already got form for expanding the use of tasers and increasing their use, and this is it kind of coming to fruition now. Yeah, just, you know, um, stun gun the proles into line, please, cops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was another incident I read about as well where um, a guy in London who was running from the cops, unarmed, didn't, hadn't done anything, just was approached by cops and he decided, fuck that, which is fair enough. Oh, we're um, talking about Chris Dick tonight, are we? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, notably the guy was black, so he decided running from the cops was better than standing and taking any shit from the cops, which was generally the correct fucking move. Uh, he went to climb a wall, got tasered while he was doing it, and fell almost two metres because the wall was steeper on the other side that the cops oh, couldn't no. see, and became paralysed from the chest down, I think. Uh, so, fucking yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tasers, still usable. Very, very they should fucking have, normal. Like, I mean, I don't understand why... I mean, surely, right, okay, I'm just... I'm going to ask some questions which I know the answer to these questions, right, but just to illustrate how fucked up this is. So surely there have been studies done on how long it is safe to taser someone for in one go. Surely those studies have been done, right? Almost certainly, I mean, you would expect them to be done before it could be licensed to market. And if they've been done and it's established that actually it's not safe to taser someone past, let's say, 10 seconds, arbitrary figure, but let's say that's what it shows, surely there should be an interlock in the actual tasers to prevent them being used for more than 10 seconds? Surely you would expect that to be the case, right? Because these are meant to be... what if the police had to tase, like, a bear with a gun? Or, like, Thanos from the fucking Avengers? What what then, (laughs) smart guy? I mean, yeah, I mean... You're just uh, just putting our brave lads in blue at risk? Needlessly. I mean, what what the fuck? I mean, you know, our boys in blue are at a tremendous disadvantage versus the reality stone. So I guess we need to unlock the tasers and just take the rate limiter off. Great, sounds fantastic. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really be surprised if there was things like that in place, and they have very easy workarounds because well, they can also probably only go to market if they do have these safety things it's also going to be very easy to fucking surpass and overcome them because otherwise it won't do that well on the open market. Because of course it won't. So, yeah, that's that's where we are with that. Um, this speech today, I haven't seen the actual speech itself. This, this was from an article I found that was before the speech. Uh, basically, largely focuses on the tasers, but also mentions that the police um, need to basically sort themselves out a little bit um but not in any sort of way where they need to do anything but just in a way where they need to be perceived to have sorted themselves out uh mm-hmm. because the public are in urgent need of reassurance 
big scare quotes around that. Um, following the murder of Sarah Everard by uh, oh, fucking Wayne Cousins. Yes, 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 that is part of this. Um, On what fucking planet would the murder of Sarah Everard had any more positive outcome if that cunt had been armed with a fucking taser? What fucking planet are these people yeah. on? What credulous moron has written or said this shit? Oh, well, <sighs> in that same speech where she's going to say, you know, that shit, as if, like, you know, well, it's all done and dusted now, but, you know, it's just a few bad apples, etc. Um, Patel is expected to tell the conference, human rights are not just for criminals, but the law-abiding majority, and that means standing squarely with the police. <sighs> same speech. The same fucking speech. Unsubscribe. <laughs> I am unsubscribing Damn. from the British legal system. <laughs> what one weird trick to become a free man on the land? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the whole thing's pretty fucked. And the admiralty this... hates him. <laughs> uh, the. the... The whole thing's kind of penned off because Johnson's done this big fucking crime, crime, crime thing today, which more nonsense bullshit. No one really fucking cares. Um, it's it's pantomime and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and aping a fucking new Labour slogan as well, which is funny. Yeah. In a bleak, in a very bleak way. There's a there's a recurring theme of bleakness with this story today. Can you imagine if Tony Blair's cops had fucking access to tasers? <sighs> I mean. I, I don't know how I know this, but psychically I'm aware that David Bunker has just got an erection. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where that is. So look forward to some um, part-time cops in your area being armed with the, the power of electricity. Speaking of power, David, mm. would you like to be even more depressed? Rob, is that you? <laughs> Surprise! Uh, no, Rob's on his way back. He'll be here next week. Um, no, I just uh, I thought I'd give you some nice little facts stated. Um, you know, just to cheer up a little bit because what can stop the police using tasers? Uh, the withdrawal it, of consent of the populace. Is it a Thanos good guy with a taser? <laughs> <laughs> I will accept either Thanos or uh, a good guy with a taser, but no. It is the price of electricity continuing to crash through the roof, as eventually, eventually, surely that means they run out of bullets, right? But here's a little I don't funny think thing: shoot bullets. Well, like you know, I think the that's the defining characteristic of a taser. The very small bullets called electrons, Jamie. Get with the program. Anyway, no. um, I don't think they are, James. It like just never mind. Like, get on with guns, it. Guns, 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 guns. <laughs> so it's not so fun in the driver's seat, is it? <laughs> I, I want to finish this episode quickly. I've got food I want to eat, says Jamie. Anyway. Um, Lol, said the scorpion. LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Okay, more seriously. Did you know, did you know that wholesale gas prices in the UK are at their lowest in 500 days? I did, yeah. You posted it on the Discord earlier. Motherfucker. <laughs> David, I'm revising my opinion on tasers being populated throughout the society because I fucking want one right now. Um, and yet, Jamie, you will therefore also know that retail gas prices in the UK are the highest for 100 years. Strangely, 
cost has gone down, and yet prices remain, uh, you know, in the absolute stratosphere. Seems fair and good, right? Well, Seems yeah, all right. Everyone, yeah. everyone knows that like gas prices are going up. Ergo, you can charge more for them because everyone knows they've gone up. Have you never heard like, of the free market? Yeah, that's basically how it works. Do you know what I mean? Like, if if it was on the news that gas prices were at the like fucking lowest ever, then people wouldn't be fucking happy about paying the highest prices ever. But like, it isn't, so they are. Well, I mean, they're not yeah. happy about it, but like, you know what I mean? They're they're not going to oh, you- actively demand that like shit get done. Well, funny about that because Offgen is in fact going to do some stuff, right? They're actually going to do something. What the tooth about- regulators going to grow a tooth? Yeah, yeah they're going to and- stop people from selling stuff under the market cap or something, aren't they? Well, hold that thought. So, uh, speaking of getting angry about it, everyone's heard of Martin Lewis, right? The guy who does the whole, um, you know, keep your bills down kind of work for the public. The ameliorate right? capitalism guy. Yes. Yeah. Money-saving expert founder, uh, just to be crystal clear. You see the mere so, No. Yes, why not? <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. Who cares? Yeah, like, hate that mere cat, like. We're, we're sending mixed signals here, David, but sure. All right. So, um... <laughs> Don't pretend Meerkat- there's some kind of united front heel. <laughs> now, apparently there's not. Um, so Meerkat Lewis got on a call with Ofgen, where Ofgen were going to be giving like explanation and information about upcoming regulatory changes they've got in mind. Now, this guy has basically been saying, listen, the, the pantry is dry, the public are oh, I utterly saw this, screwed. I saw this on Twitter, he was apologising because he, uh, he called the, like, the fucking head of Ofgen a, a thundercunt or something like that, wasn't it? Uh, it's sort of in that vibe. He didn't actually say that, but um, I'm going to read now. No, I'm going to read. <laughs> Just putting words in Martin Lewis's, uh, excuse me, Meerkat Lewis's mouth. Um, Meerkat Lewis, Meerkat, it bears no. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm going to quote from an article. <laughs> I like how we've constructed a podcast where the sole purpose of the, of the entire <laughs> cast is to just is just disrupt and dismantle the entire fucking structure, the, the entire structure we cobbled together. I never get to do this, all right? Leave me alone. <laughs> I expect it from Jamie, but et to Davy. Um, anyway, Martin Lewis apologizes after branding off Gem fucking disgrace over energy changes except it's the mirror so fucking is f star 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 g disgrace which is pretty cool um martin lewis has said sorry for disgrace we will never know well it's not farting disgrace because then they wouldn't need to censor it for publication and that'll make gas prices go down right yeah, exactly. That's well, actually, maybe not. Alistair, we just established uh, that increasing yeah, I, amount of methane and available. There's the rub, right? Yeah, right. Um, he said he's sorry for losing his rag on a phone call with any energy regulator staff overcoming changes to household bills. He should be angry. Like this yes. is the fundamental thing. Yeah, but he should. You <laughs> I'm should sorry. Never be, you should never be angry at the people you get on the phone because they're just like small bean workers. You should be angry at like the nebulous figure behind them. Except, like, it was a, it was an advisory call with a whole bunch of people, and so, yeah, like, actually there was probably... the shadowy seen... guy. <laughs> yeah, so, like, the shadowy guy was on the line, I'm pretty sure. Well, no, because um, I actually saw Martin Lewis saying, like, he understood that it wasn't the people he was talking to he should be, that he was mad at. I don't think I he mean, understands how off-gen works. Yeah, exactly. So, 
here's the thing. We should actually talk about what changes they've made that caused Martin Lewis, who already was like, this is ridiculous, to just lose his goddamn mind. Because he's not like us. He doesn't usually, you know, drop a, a drop of a hat just to immediately go. Um, what actually caused him to do this was, Offgem has said it wants to change they how said, often... They any- said they were going to store the gas in his house. <laughs> I'm gotta store pic- the gas somewhere. Yeah. I'm just picturing like him being woken up in the morning by the hammer and, and beep beep of the like, you know, reversing industrial vehicles. He looks outside to see massive gas storage containers um being wheeled into place to build as an annex to oh, his I, house. I thought they were just I think gonna that- put a holes through the letterbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I thought the, the the banging was just like the headache that he woke up with. <laughs> and the worst thing of all is Jamie's there throwing rocks trying to get that pocket to go up. <laughs> yeah. try and get a meerkat to enter low earth orbit um for real though basically they've said they want to change how often energy bills will go up or down in price because as it currently stands right it's um two times a year they can adjust for the wholesale market price essentially um that regulators have to plan around okay because well, they, they can adjust it up <laughs> you mean well yeah basically right so the idea is that prices are capped and then every year twice a year they review and that's what happened in April when all our prices went up. Is basically often said, well, time for a review, or wouldn't you know it, it's going up. And that's why it's going to go up again later this year, they suppose. Um, they want to change it to four times a year. Because, yep. I mean, that sounds totally good and viable, right? It sounds like the consumer is going to be fine with prices going up four times a year, right? That but should be okay. It is actually good, though, because it means that each quarter gas companies can put the prices up and increase the share price not just twice a year but four times a year so twice as much wealth trebles all round yeah yeah um but it gets worse because that's not all they wanted to do um offgem is also planning to hike the fee that one energy firm has to pay another if it takes its customers when gas prices fall and that's what really got lewis annoyed because that's like little known fact if um if a firm takes you from another firm because gas prices have fallen and you've you know renegotiated something there is a built-in like compensation mechanism for that essentially so like all the competition you see on the surface is kayfabe like it's not real at all in the slightest and uh, they're saying well we want to hike that fee so it becomes more expensive for consumers to switch because those costs will ultimately get passed along hmm. so not only are they putting up prices four times a year but they, they want to change stuff. it so it's called well, the free market, and if you don't like it, you should just go to communist Venezuela and uh, get your electricity there. But what's really sad about this is it's not even remotely a free market. It's essentially what Offgem is doing is they're basically going, oh, the energy companies are sad. What can we do about that? Would, would baby like a couple of extra bottles? If we tried mindfulness. They wouldn't be sad anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying... It was a thought experiment. In Minecraft, sure. But, uh, yeah, so that's basically it. There is no competition in the energy sector at all. It's all rigged, and, you know, despite prices coming down in wholesale market, uh, the rate of profit is going up, 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 baby, because they were able to raise. So welcome to our new society where the prices go up when the profit would be contracted for the person who's selling to you, and then they stay up when, you know, the prices drop and they are making a bigger profit. That's just how it is. Run in the public trust, don't you know? It's just this is just the 
the cartel shit we spoke about a while back, isn't it really? Basically, yeah. But it what what's really interesting about it yeah. and so why I think Martin Lewis is... uplands now. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think Martin Lewis is going to become the fucking Joker well, off the back of this it. because let's be real here, like what we are looking at is the actual regulator just straight up joining the cartel. Well, yeah, they always, they always do, though, right? I mean, yeah, but usually not so nakedly. Mm. I mean, there's a reason they call it petrodollars, right? <laughs> mm. Still. So I'm afraid that's for the bad news, but would you like a little palate cleanser? Something please. completely unrelated that'll make you smile? Please, please, please. So I have a story about a man, nay, a titan, who strides across the world, reshaping it according to his will. That man's name is Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Oh, get the fuck in. So Jordan B. Peterson, um, he decided to quote tweet something. What did he quote tweet? He quote tweeted um, the uh, swimsuit 2022 like catalogue picture of a uh, plus size model, right? I say plus size, right? She's got like a not like pretty normal body shape, but obviously, you know, yeah. models being held to an by artificial beauty standard. Cetera, yeah. 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 So she's plus size by industry standards and she's wearing a bikini, which is quite nice, um, but it's on a plus size body, right? And Jordan B. Peterson decided he would quote tweet this and he wrote, sorry, not beautiful. And no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. I wish Rob was here for his Kermit voice, but sadly, you're just going to have to imagine that, right? Um, so sounds like straightforward enough. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just I mean, it, this, it's this, really, this cunt looks like a cave goblin on a beach holiday. I don't think he's got any grounds to criticize whether anyone else is beautiful or not. Pretty much. And would you be surprised, Jamie, to know that Twitter largely agreed with you? <laughs> not at all. No. Um, John B. Peterson, about 24 hours later, posted the following. The endless flood of vicious insult is really not something that can be experienced anywhere else. I like to follow the people I know, but I think the incentive structure of the platform makes it intrinsically and dangerously insane. Which hmm. uh, which platforms are you on now? And I'll go and fucking prove to them that, like, the you know what I mean, the vicious insults are available elsewhere. <laughs> well, you've just kind of you've given it away because uh, a little news article: Canadian psychologist and best-selling author Jordan B. Peterson announced he is departing in quotes from Twitter after finding an endless flood of vicious insult on the platform. And this, I like how this is all prompted by him, like essentially is insulting. Yeah. Uh, a, yeah. A... Oh no, but he did it for scientific <laughs> reasons because he's a doctor, don't you know? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What we should do is we need to get this. We need to get this cunt in the same room as the curvy wife guy, and then they can just duke it out. And I'm, my money is on the fucking curvy wife guy, frankly. Well, yeah, I assume he doesn't look like Gollum's been arrested for like driving while under the influence. So <laughs> it is a sad day for when a dragon of chaos devours Jordan B. Peterson's Twitter account. But uh, what can you do? It's not the dragon day. of chaos consumes the Green Hill Zone. It's not a sad day. I've never been happier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he'll be back. I don't believe for a second he's going to stay. He continued fucking tweeting. Like, yeah. he's, he's not stopped. My, my man is posting through it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, he's he's, I, think he's, I think he has actually stopped on Twitter now. Yeah. Let's check. Has he, has he into a, already... Into a fucking beef coma or something. He'll be back in a day or two. <laughs> look, look anything, anything is possible when you're, you consume just like a fistful of fucking um, benzos, right? Sometimes you might end, wake up with a baby grand piano. You yeah. might be in another state. 
etc. Oh wow, okay. So uh Oh wow, okay, so sixteen hours ago at time of recording, which is uh eight thirty on Tuesday the seventeenth. Spoilers. Sixteen sixteen hours before now, Jordan B. Peterson wrote uh, a little post saying So was I told the, my uh, staff was it the Roy Batty speech from Blade Runner? Oh, I mean <laughs> it's it's way sadder than that. So I told my staff to change my password to keep me from temptation and departing <laughs> once again. I mean, to be fair, he does have problems of self-control that are very well documented. <laughs> if I have something to say, I'll write an article or make a video. If the issue is not important enough to justify that, then perhaps it would be best to just let it go. And then he quote tweeted that. And all that. these moments will be lost like tears in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> and he quote tweeted that and pinned the quote tweet to his profile. And the quote tweet says, And I plan to write an article on the technical reasons that Twitter is maddening us all very soon. I Bye think, for now. I think it's time he died. <laughs> be very funny now, if the last thing he does before his death is a dear Richard. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. He is actually right posting through it because one hour ago, my YouTube <laughs> channel has now fit, hit 5 million subscribers. Thank you all for your ongoing support. Yeah, I'm nothing be, but grateful for the though. opportunities. That'll be his staff in like huge Still air counts. quotes. You know what I mean? No, it's him. I mean, I mean, it's obviously him, but if he gets called out on it, it'll be like, no, I'm sorry, who, who was Dr. Peterson? I am merely humble staff. <laughs> I am Jordan B. Stafferson, and I have no relation to the eminent doctor that I work for. You remember that, um, remember that like Twitter account years ago, the fucking ham man? And, you like, need to whole, narrow it down, whole, No, there was, there was a Twitter account called the ham man, and his whole gimmick was he would go around telling people he'd sell them two hams for $20. Go on. Yeah, we need we need that 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 dark guy's the hero we need to deal with Jordan Peterson. You know what I mean? Where has he been through the entire Starmer problem? Come on, I think he got banned. Oh, for like oh, aggressively aggressively monetizing hams. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking ham regulator got him. Off oh. ham finally swung into action. <laughs> oh fuck's sake. But yeah, so uh, I'm not owned. Jordan Peterson is screaming into the void as he tries to tweet through it. Um, and, you know, whatever happens here, I mean, it's a net win, right? Like, either he sticks around and continues to show his arse and just is perpetually told, hey, so I thought you were leaving. Or he actually does fuck off, in which case Twitter gets, I don't know, not better exactly, but there'll be less of his quote tweets flying around, so that's something. Fantastic. Cool. All right. Well, so I've just looked at the time. We're doing quite well. No, the tight time we've been recording. Um, Ah. We're we're doing quite well. So well, in fact, that you may be actually eligible for two treats this week. Oh, for fuck's sake. Are we going to do another Journey to Hell? No. We're going to do two Journeys to Hell. (laughs) (laughs) Can we we very quickly spin out the Jordan B. Peterson thing for like another 20 minutes or so to deny one of those trips? Uh, No, no, you had your chance. Okay, I will give you a choice on where we start. Would you like to start at home or abroad? No deal. <laughs> Pick your poison. Is one of the actual options poison? Because if so, I'll go with that. Oh no, they're both poison. Hmm. Right, abroad is funnier because it's not happening to us, so let's start with home and then we'll finish with abroad, right? Home and away. Let's go with that, David. <laughs> okay. 
So, is Tony Blair Label's future? Oh, by John no. McTelman. <laughs> that was that was yeah, it was easily done. Uh, Next. Nope, haven't finished. <laughs> Did you say this was you say this was John McTurd man? Yes. He should stick to direct and die hard films to be honest, like. <laughs> Yeah, but sadly Bruce Willis has retired from acting, hasn't he? It's true. Okay then. So fifteen years after he stood down as Prime Minister, twenty-five after he was elected, Blair still deserves to be listened to. Such a fucking strong start to an article. That's fucking great. The three leaders after him, Gordon Brown, Ed Miliband, and Jeremy Corbyn, defined themselves against Tony and they all lost. Keir Starmer. No, they didn't. That's that's distinctly not true. I'm sorry, Gordon Brown did not dis- define himself against Tony Blair. Like, really not, actually. That's not... That, that is he po- did. That he is did. Poli- he was yeah, personally he got- very different. Do you yeah, know what? He had got- arguments and everything. He got Tom Watson to kill Tony Blair at the Red Wedding or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just... It's, so, it's, not- it's fucking incredible, right, that... In the year of our Lord 2022, we are still going on about fucking Tony Blair. It's, it is insane because it's it's like if, you know, in 1996 to 97, uh, the Labour Party were going on about fucking James Callaghan. Like, and how he his uh, successful Labour government, etc, etc. That's how fucking vast the void of time is between now and then. It's just incomprehensible. Yeah, you're wrong, though. It's still the 90s. Oh yeah, <laughs> it will always still be the nineties, except yeah. for computers, obviously. I just I can't even like the the real problem we have here is that history apparently did fucking end in the nineties, and all we're left with is regurgitating the same shit over and over and over again. It, Tony Blair was wrong. Things can't get better because things can't fucking change. Just oh, <laughs> well, that's okay though. That's good. Keir Starmer wants to build on Blair's legacy, uses much of Tony's language and many of his tactics, and he has been in the lead for the last 100 opinion polls. Point made, surely. Remind remind me again uh, what happened with Ed Miliband uh, mid-coalition. Yes, yes. Um, Mm. Also, we'd we'd like to see, you know, what span of time these opinion polls are over, because I don't think it's particularly long. And he's accruing all of these together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it about the final years of Blair's premiership that ensured his political legacy? Um, there... A certain war in the Middle East, if if my <laughs> memory serves. <laughs> yeah, that and, the... and tragic cunts like fucking uh, Mister Diehard and fucking like Dracula never shutting up about the cunt. Yeah, there's the obvious point that when he became PM. It was his first and only job in government, and he had energy but no experience. By the time he left, he knew exactly how to get things done, but was running out of road. Oh, are we just re- are we just hashing now, fucking Alistair Campbell lines again in twenty twenty two? But John McTiernan, <sighs> oh, no chance. I was Blair's political secretary between two thousand and five and two thousand and seven, and had a front row seat for the end of the Blair years. They were rugged times. There were new opponents on the benches opposite with the election of David Cameron as Tory leader. And there were old enemies on manoeuvre on the Labour benches as Brown's attempts to dislodge Tony became increasingly obvious and frantic. 
Remember the rolling resignations of the parliamentary private secretaries? No. <laughs> Khaled Mahmood, Wayne David, Ian Lucas, Mark Tammy, David Wright and Chris Mole? Probably extremely, not. Extremely footage lost moment. Yeah. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> Probably not, but it was the how many letters have been submitted moment of its day. Was it now? Mm. It really wasn't. Like, I remember, and no, it wasn't. Eventually, Labour MPs were ground down by the relentless friendly fire attacks, and Blair stood down as PM in May 2007, a year earlier than he had planned. Yet, he never became bitter. I remember a meeting in the Wait, den... Are we, uh, became... Fact check on that one. Yeah. No, no, he's, he's right, Alice. He never became bitter, because he was always the bitterest, black-heartedest cunt from the very beginning. I remember a meeting in the den, the PM's room between the private office and the cabinet room, when a colleague exasperatedly said, but Gordon just wants to be Prime Minister. After a moment's reflection, Tony replied, it's not an ignoble ambition. Thoughtful and scrupulous. What? Okay. Like, <laughs> can I, is, there, is there a book where I can read these incredible quotes in? What? Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I, if only there were a book like that. Uh, I haven't held the one yet. A certain black book. <laughs> the Labour Party's internal wrangling was an opportunity Cameron seized. He repeatedly found ways to create alliances with Labour rebels to oppose government policy. The core was the awkward squad, which included Corbyn, who voted with the Tories numerous times. Uh, remind me of what he voted against again? What, what, what were these things that uh, the Tories voted against, that Corbyn also um, voted against? Footage not found. Mmm. Do you know what? This this book I'm reading in, with all these quotes in, there are a lot of empty pages that just seem to miss out big gulfs of time for some reason. Yeah, the same book, Alistair, <laughs> same book, Alistair, there also appears to be a lot of like pop-up pictures as well in bright colours. Uh, and this one, this one says, sure start, just over and over again. Here it is again in fuzzy felt. <laughs> but the number of rebels was growing. It is an iron law of politics. Fuck off. It is an iron law of politics that ministers who serve loyally when in the government suddenly find their consciences when they return to the back bench in a reshuffle. Where once they had demanded the whips push through their policies, they now found their personal and political integrity required them to question and often oppose government legislation. <laughs> I do like I do like <clears throat> the juxtaposition of like these people who are by his own admission just at least, you know, scrupulous fucking pricks yeah um, uh, oh yeah they'll, they'll oh. do anything these people will do anything so long as they're on a ministerial salary oh yeah absolutely and what oh well what happened what, what what happens with one of these guys who you know keeps his principles pretty much as they are for oh well let's just let's not let's not analyze that any further by the third term there have been many reshuffles and the number of former ministers outweighed our majority in response to this, I ran a small group we called the Non-Embittled Former Ministers. <laughs> My t-shirt is uh, answering a lot of the questions. <laughs> we also added Keith Hill as the Prime Minister's PPS. I think Keith. his name's Starmer. <laughs> <clears throat> a former union official, he added reach to our political networks among MPs and every week allocated the precious hour after PMQs when backbenchers got to meet with the PM. The only, the only MP whose reach I'm concerned about is John Prescott's when he batted that fucking pro, uh, <laughs> pro-hunting guy, frankly. 
and every week allocated the precious hour after PMQs when backbenchers got to meet with the PM to raise concerns, float policy ideas or introduce guests. On one memorable occasion, I brought Shakira in to meet the Prime Minister. (laughs) (laughs) Serious grown-up politics, absolutely. (laughs) She was in Westminster for a parliamentary event. Tony started to explain that he knew her music and admired the way it combined Colombian music traditions with modern American pop music. Ah, replied Shakira, silencing us all, so you think I am some kind of allegory of globalisation? This is a riveting conversation I'm hearing about. Isn't it? It's wonderful. Um, But it wasn't all about party management. There was the pressure, too, of external inquiries. This was the first time the Metropolitan Police had ever investigated Number 10, a complaint from an SNP backbencher that should have been dismissed immediately as party politics led instead to the Cash for Honours probe. So it was completely justified in its uh, <laughs> Well, in the absence in of any outcomes, evidence... Right? In the absence of any evidence, the Met spent 18 months trying and failing to find any. Uh, until, the PMs... And, um, yeah. Until they oh, fucking did! Um, what? Really? <laughs> this is insane! What the fuck? This is, this is horse shit, apart from all the actual <laughs> shit that did uh, happen as a result of this. But apart from all of that stuff that did happen, it was all bollocks. Mm-hmm. If you pay no mind to all the people who died, actually it was quite a, a well-intentioned life-saving intervention. <laughs> Like, the do, these, do these fucking morons just read the shit that they write and just how it sounds to anyone who would like a single brain cell? Like, well, this uh, is the thing, though, Alistair. They write for people without a brain cell who think they have a brain cell. Like, they write for the people who think they're cultured and intelligent and critical because they read the papers and unthinkingly regurgitate everything they read in them. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. it. Uh, the PM's behaviour was. Respectful. <laughs> he, let it, he let it be known that being interviewed under caution would be a resigning matter, a contrast with the attitude of the current Prime Minister. And he unreservedly backed the few of us, including myself, who were questioned by the police. His confidence that it would come to nothing was morale boosting during a deeply stressful period. Again, a totally justified investigation. And like... Imagine if we had even a, like, fucking slice of that level of scrutiny, but all the time. It would be fucking, like, some actual justice might ever happen, but no. We have to make sure that any attempts at, you know, mitigating power in any way has to be squashed. It is amazing that it basically goes, yeah, so this SNP MP, for party partisan reasons, accused us of doing something untoward and unjustly caused an investigation that found us entirely guilty of what we'd been accused of, but it was political, therefore it's invalid. Like, the fucking, the goal of this is quite something. Just because someone doesn't like you doesn't mean that when they... Like a pr- accurately accuse you of a crime makes it wrong. What the fuck? The worst nationalist you know has a great point. Like, <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> In the end, third terms should <laughs> I do be like criticised. Just... Sorry, it's just <laughs> the fact that that could, have, if you apply that logic to Hitler, it makes it a lot worse. I don't think <laughs> I should go in. <laughs> In the end, third terms should be critical for legacy. Margaret Thatcher's third term, despite the disaster of the poll tax, embedded and made irreversible many of her changes. 
the task. Uh, call me call me pedantic, but <laughs> do we think the poll tax is actually worse if it had been implemented in the form that it was going to be implemented than the war in Iraq? Like that's oh, that's actually a really hard one. Like no, in the objective human sense, no, absolutely not. The catch is the poll tax being implemented would have opened a way to more shit like the war in Iraq taking place. So it's like, you know, it's it's that's a hard one. I, I think the, the actual harm that resulted from the war in Iraq makes it obviously the worse. But the poll tax would have opened the door to even worse politics. So, you know, it's hard to say. There's it's no just, counterfactual. I, I, yeah, fair enough. But my, my point being... It's fun how uh, the poll tax was obviously an unmitigated disaster, but Iraq, ooh, uh, well, yeah. see, uh, you know, you have to take this. <laughs> <laughs> the task New Labour set itself was to leave most of the Tory reforms, but to rebalance some and to rebuild the public square, which had been brutally neglected. So, mass picketing. I do agree, we need to reestate the square. Yeah, I think it would be good to dr- have some events to draw crowds to it as well. And stuff. <laughs> so yeah, maybe, very pub- maybe very your mindset. Ones, yeah, yeah, like, maybe maybe plays, some carpentry. Maybe I- I'm think I'm thinking maybe some free carpentry projects for people to get involved in. <laughs> new apprenticeships, maybe. So mass picketing and car park show of hands strike ballots were left outlawed, but workers' rights were extended, in particular with maternity rights and the statutory right to bank holidays on top of annual leave. On one hand, we gutted labour power. On the other hand, we threw you some scraps. So who's to say if it's good or bad or not? The right to buy your council home was maintained, but two million social homes were renovated to decent homes standards. Choice in health and education was built on an extended while waiting lists were slashed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a now nearly unimaginable guarantee of an 18-week wait for routine treatment. And um, saddling the NHS with how many billions of pounds of interest from PFOI deals? That's how they made the money. That's how they made the money. That's how they afforded all this. It's called fiscal responsibility, Alistair. Do you know what? It always fucking, like, the state typically is bigger than a company. As a general rule, and as such, <laughs> is usually able to leverage good fucking interest Alistair, rates on loans. Alistair, why does the state? Why doesn't the state, the larger of the two vehicles, <laughs> simply eat the smaller one? Correct. Yes. yes. <laughs> In turn, most of Blair's reforms became irreversible. <laughs> Said with like a smirk and like the lights changing, but making more menacing hey, while he says it. How, yeah. how are those waiting times working out now? By the way, anyone checked recently? Hmm. Uh, I'm hearing not good. Uh, the national insurance increase to fund the NHS was kept and has been mimicked by Boris Johnson's government. See, it's good that he did that. It's good that he put up national insurance. Health performance Fucking has been hampered hell. by persistent underfunding, the pandemic and the ill-fated Lansley reforms which are now being abandoned. But the NHS was kept on the road by appointing former Blair advisor, Sir Simon Stevens, to the chief, uh, as chief to the executive girls. of NHS England. <laughs> like, how much backslapping can you fit into one article? Oh, more. Uh, there were also significant <laughs> moments. I mean, 
it's it's John Mc, John McTernan. You can you can fit like fucking limitless backslap backslapping in that cunt. What he I'm surprised about is we haven't seen the phrase "I am not a Tory" yet. He, he exists purely to hype up like fucking the warlock. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, could you imagine if a, if an actual warlock had a hype man? That'd be great. Like, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would go and see that gig. I don't need to imagine because we're listening to it right fucking now. <laughs> Does that make? Yeah, but he needs to be doing it over a beat. <laughs> Does that make him the Warlocks familiar? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. We'll give you that one. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> what's going to happen when Tony Blair finally gets his hands on the Satanic Bible? That's what That's what the public need, need to be made aware of. He's going to grow that <laughs> mullet again. Uh, there were also significant moments. The G8 meeting in Glen Eagles in 2008 deciding to make poverty history by wiping out the debt of heavily indebted countries in the global south. How did that fucking go? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I don't see any poverty at all when I look around anywhere. Well, you see, the south, the global south, they're very profligate, as you all know, and the debt has just been re-accrued since, since then. Wow, re chewed on that one on the way out. London winning the bid for the 2012 Olympics. Remember oh, that was my Oh man! And the tragedy of the seven-seven bombings, which drew great compassion and leadership from Blair. See <laughs> oh, also, love to, love to have twenty twelve Olympics. Yeah, the twenty twelve Olympics and the seven-seven bombings in the same fucking sentence. Yeah, those Holy. bombings were really, real, real plus for for Tony Blair. Like really getting a <laughs> shot in the arm. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the 2012 Olympics. It was the 7-7 bombings. Like, it's poetry. It's It truly, it will stand the test of time, writing for the fucking ages. It, it was the blast of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> oh, no. See, when the 7-7 the, the bombings happened, happened, right, I was like, I think I was World of Warcraft. I must have been playing at the time. And, uh... We were on World of Warcraft, and someone was saying in chat that, like, oh, there's been a terrorist attack in London. And some guy was, like, adamant that it couldn't have happened because he hadn't heard the explosions. <laughs> and uh, and everyone was the like... The omnipresent god of London. Yeah, everyone was like, yeah, this is... Like, what the fuck? Are you, are you, are you like, an idiot or what? And then it turned out the guy was in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's excellent. Playing, playing World of the Warcraft with the eye of fucking Sauron himself. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Of course, Blair's leadership ended in resignation, and New Label's third term ended in defeat for Brown. Unfortunately, for a decade, party members took the quixotic view that the only reason voters elected increasingly right-wing Tory governments was that Labour was insufficiently left-wing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And under Miliband and Corbyn, the party moved I mean, further makes, and further away from the centre and further and further towards though. destruction. It makes sense, though, right? Like, people keep electing, like, right-wing cunts, so if Labour were just more right-wing than those cunts, they'd win more votes. You can't argue get, with the man's logic. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I've got, another, it, date for the, I've got another date for this prick, and it's 2017, uh, the, the year that didn't happen. Yeah. The, the, no, the, the one time find, in... I think you'll find Labour lost that election, and, like, let's not... Fuck it, and you know what I mean. Haggling over like who got, who won, how many seats, and what share of the vote is just trying to fucking like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, don't don't to... bring up the like thousand odd seats that were actually in it across the country that would have tipped it over. Don't don't bring up the fact it was the best Tory turnout in like ever. Um, no, because you just you just haggling you know over failure, you know. 
And if there's one thing, there's one thing like fucking John McTurdman knows, it's how to be a massive fucking Tory cunt. <laughs> Blair didn't despair. He made the argument about how Labour could win again. And he has consistently yeah, continued... Yeah, as long as it wasn't under a left-wing leadership. Yeah. And he has consistently continued to make critical policy interventions, <laughs> such as driving the argument on vaccination oh. rollout. This strategic and patience... Yeah. This strategic patience has paid and off. And he wants, like, he wants le- like fewer controls on hospital blood stocks because it's getting hard for fucking Rentoul to get in there unseen. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just... Uh, don't let this man in. Poster yeah. at the door, and it, because of that, he can't be invited in. And that's him fucked. Um, because of me, <clears> they have a sign. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they they scrapped for welcome mats that used to be there when they instituted <laughs> car park charges, and uh, has been in trouble ever since. Yeah. The true legacy of the two thousand and five to two thousand and seven Blair government is finally becoming clear. Labour's desire to win is back. Policy ideas are unashamedly Blairite, and Starmer's mantra, opportunity, security, respect, could come straight from a Tony Blair conference speech. Funny when nobody at the next election goes for this bullshit. Yes, when the the Mm -hmm. fucking populace is like evenly split between people who want to send them all back and hang the lefties, and people who aren't going to vote for like Tony Blair two point oh. I like how you can do uh, carbon dating on these articles by what slogan they use. Yeah. History will be the ultimate judge of Tony's reputation. And it has! It will weigh (laughs) the Iraq war against the Good Friday Agreement which ended the war in Northern Ireland. Motherfucker! No way! Fuck me! I murdered, I murdered countless brown people and plunged a planet into chaos. But on the other hand, some white people stopped like murdering each other. So who's to say whether I'm good or bad or not? Yeah. Net positive, right? Oh my god! For Labour you have to, re- you have to really be a bloodless cunt to just willingly yeah. weigh the the souls of a million like non-white people against any number of white people. Fuck me. Also, that Good Friday agreement looks like it's holding up really well now, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, For Labour Party members and activists, it has thankfully settled into the realisation that Labour's electoral record in the last 11 elections is lose, 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 win, 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 lose, 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 lose. And the only way to win is to build on Tony Blair's record rather than spurn it. Yeah, going to be great when they win the next election, isn't it? That's definitely a thing that's guaranteed to happen. Yeah. I honestly think if they keep doing what they're doing now, unless they get some massive corporate donors in, and even then I'm not sure, I think Labour might be dead within the next five years. I mean, like... Oh, keep going, keep going. The only way way they actually win is on an utterly depressed turnout and, you know, the fucking papers deciding, actually, we, we hate Boris Johnson enough to give the other, like, tamer position a chance. And either way, it doesn't matter because the material outcome is the same, which is that things do not get in any measurable way better. And it's just... The Tories win. Like, the, the, the gains get locked in. And then when, like, the, the 
titan of a man, Keir Starmer, Prime Minister Keir Starmer, gets inevitably, like, knifed as soon as he gets fucking inaugurated as Prime Minister. Um, like, what? So the Tories just win the next election, or whatever. And then it's just back to square one, we ramp shit up, make it worse, and then some no, some other fucking we, West Streeting wins. You don't understand, though, the good team will have won an election. <laughs> thereby proving Blair right. Yeah. That's really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, do I have another article for you? <laughs> no. Yes. Yes, it's time for a holiday is it, now. Is it a short one? It is shorter. It is shorter than that one, yes. Um, and it's also not about label. Okay, improvements. Western leaders must prepare public for a war economy. The cost of living crisis is likely to get worse before it gets better. Which war? The war. Were you not aware we're at war? We're not at war, though. We've always been at war with Ukraine. We begin bombing in (laughs) ten minutes. (sighs) This is from um, Martin Sandbu in the Financial Times. I... I... Oh, man. When you say Financial Times yeah. as well... Don't don't like, do the Financial Times. The, do you know what I mean? We get enough of that shit from Rob. Rob's it was Rob that gave me like, this. Yeah, well, of course it was, because he's, he's the only one that can afford a subscription to the Financial <laughs> fucking Times. Do you know what I mean? It's also, it's also the fact that the Financial Times, like they tend to be a little bit more clear-eyed about stuff than the regular papers, because they're for the investor class. I, and, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about this. This isn't like a straight-up news article. This is very much an opinion piece. Well, wow. <laughs> I, like I like how we've got news, facts, horse shit that I reckon <laughs> I fished out of the fucking toilet bowl this morning. Yeah, I mean that is the entire media class, Alistair. Yeah, yeah I know, and I'm shitting on all of them from a great height. Yeah, right. Anyway, we're not at war, so can we clock off now? No. Hmm. Uh, the expression is ugly, and its content even uglier. But Ukraine fatigue is a real risk <laughs> in Western democracies. Their citizens are repulsed by Vladimir Putin's war of unprovoked aggression and are full of sympathy for the Ukrainian people. Their leaders have surprised even themselves with the strength of their support for Kiev. But as things drag on, challenges closer you know, to home a, could increasingly small, steal their attention. There's a small small group that I'm thinking of that is also like pleasantly surprised by the amount of support that's being shown to them. Yeah. And I'm sure that this won't have any negative ramifications that we are not prepared to deal with in the near to medium future. Well, I'm sure this guy won't take any fucking mind to that at all, though. <clears throat> yeah, pay no attention to Azov Qaeda, which is coming down <laughs> the barrel to us with increasing rapidity. It is easy to see how the cost of living crisis, which is compounded by war and snarled up supply chains and which is probably already putting a chill on demand, could erode Western leaders' focus on Ukraine. To let this happen would be an error and a failure. An error because inflation in the West is to a significant extent made in Moscow, and a failure... Do you know what it is? All of these fucking cunts can just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, oh, what if people get bored of the, the war in Ukraine? What if leaders stop making like the fucking war in Ukraine the number one priority and put the concerns of their citizens first don't they know the bad man is killing white people as we speak who will stop that if not the, the brave western leaders do you know do you know how I know Ukraine fatigue is setting in go on that porn site I go to uh, they've not got the we support Ukraine bit on it anymore so <laughs> <laughs> truly well, you hate to I mean. see it 
putting people off the fucking stroke. <laughs> yeah, Ukraine isn't getting people hard anymore, so... Blue and yellow balls, that's what they're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a failure, because it would mean that political leaders had neglected their chief task of preparing the public for the unavoidable hard choices to come. Oh, fuck you, you hard choices. <laughs> Western politicians must explain to their voters that the cost of living crisis is likely to worsen, and why. Why? Because we're not going to do fuck all about it. Fuck yeah. oh. no, don't you worry about why, because my man here has decided I'll just write a speech. This is the sort of speech. Is this guy going to. Uh, is he going to sork in us? Yes. Yeah, I, the hard choice for this cunt is you can shut up or I'm going to behave myself. I mean, it is kind of, you know what, this is basically instructive. It's basically saying, hey guys, listen, cost of living, right? Okay, actually a large part of it is corporate profiteering and a whole bunch of other shit. But, but, we've got a golden opportunity to blame it on a war here, so you better fucking do that. Right, well. Yeah, don't let good prices go to waste. God. Right, right. well, President Sanbu here has something that he has to fucking say. <laughs> My fellow citizens. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome to City Seventeen. Is this is this uh, safe is this skill? is this going to be the fucking speech from the end of Independence Day, but with some words <laughs> copy pasted out? Like, oh, let's find out. The past few years have been hard. The pandemic. Do. Don't ask questions. The pandemic <laughs> brought illness and death, heartache and loneliness, <laughs> and threats to the livelihoods and businesses of millions among you. To who? Specifically, businesses, we just said, even as we were opening up our economies and thought the worst was behind us, we were hit by rising inflation and more expensive energy. Since February 24th, we have witnessed the horrors of war revisited upon Europe decades after we swore never again. We stand with Ukraine against the unjustified assault by Vladimir Putin's Russia. Our soldiers will not join the battle. We will not enter a third world war unless Russia attacks us. But we will do everything to help Ukraine's brave people defend themselves and to weaken Putin's capacity for unleashing violence in the world. Mm. <laughs> I like how you can pretty much just replace Russia with fucking America and like the West in general. It's, it's so great. weird the way that works, isn't it? Mm. If we ourselves are not at war, the consequences of war have long since reached us. The price of freedom in Europe is paid by Ukrainians first and foremost, but also by so many of you who oh worry how God. you are going to keep on your lights and heating, buy healthy meals for your children, or keep your businesses running. Let us be clear, the cost of energy has soared because Russia's dictator has turned oil and gas into weapons. The price of food is going up because he is laying waste to Europe's most productive farmland. And our sanctions on Russia inevitably involve economic sacrifice from ourselves. Now, I seem to recall Rob not shutting the fuck up about food prices well before Ukraine started. That rings a yeah. bell? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Convenient. Um, hmm. I wish I could tell you that things will soon get better. But the truth is, they are likely to get worse. Shit voters love to fucking hear. Prices of energy, food and commodities could go up further. Our economic growth and our incomes may slow. 
it is essential that we look this reality in the eye and that we work together to face these coming challenges. Sorry, I, I, that last word, you're a bit garbled. Did you say bend over and take it? Not in as many words. Okay, just confirm. <clears throat> we cannot deny that higher import prices make our economy poorer. Imagine listening to this cunt. Our central banks cannot save I'm our lost Ukraine. I'm going to tell Tucker Carlson that the Financial Times is responsible for the Great Replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Our central banks cannot save a lost Ukrainian harvest or fix global supply chains by raising the cost of credit. And should Putin cut off more of Russia's gas supply overnight, we cannot pretend that we would not be harmed. Something like a wartime economy is being imposed on us, not of our choosing, but we must not shrink from it. It is. This this fucking going on about, you know, like, Russia shutting off the gas, like, obviously... In the immediate term, very bad in the absolute sense because it makes energy very expensive. But like, as like we have been saying on this fucking podcast since we, I swear to God, since we started doing it, like if we had done literally anything to try and build a kind of actual green infrastructure, then maybe we would actually be able to deal with these uh, shocks, which in this case is a political one, but in like the future are probably more likely going to be natural disaster in that in like in form right can i just if only if only britain had stockpiled a shit ton of gas um so that it's actually down at an incredibly low price at the moment if only we had done something like that i mean yeah like that notwithstanding literally literally earlier this episode we're talking about how the wholesale gas price is the lowest it's been in 18 months like fuck off this has got nothing to do with like the just uh, they, are, they really are just using so- shock doctrine by Naomi Klein. That's it. It's like, okay, the tightening material contradictions requiring us to squeeze you more to maintain the mm-hmm. rate of profit. We're going to blame that on Russia. Um, where was that? So something like a wartime economy is being imposed on is not of our choosing, but we must not shrink from it. That requires all of us to put the common good first. Those with broader shoulders must be prepared to contribute more in taxes. Those most exposed to inflation should expect more help, but also accept that help cannot do away with the need to adapt. So when when we say protect people against inflation, that kind in the in the actual real world, that means people who hold debt, right? <laughs> yeah, people who have issues issued promissory notes yeah. and are expecting to get their, their end repaid, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We may have to ration some essential goods. Everyone, like <laughs> Everyone must be patient with more indebted public finances, and we have to help those countries worse placed than us, or their problems will soon be ours. It is tempting to close one's eyes to what is right and go with what seems comfortable. But the path of least resistance is both wrong and unwise. Backing down against Putin for some short-term respite in commodity prices would only leave us more at his mercy. And let us be honest that this crisis forces us to take steps we should have taken long ago for the sake of our grandchildren. 
I seem to recall here that we did take steps and this is the result of those steps. Also, like, you know, there's a lot going on here to assume we're going to have grandchildren by the time the atomic dust has settled if these cunts get their way, frankly. Yes. Uh, The future health of their planet requires an end to fossil energy. Today, our immediate geopolitical security demands the same, starting with Russian fuels. It is our duty to invest in an energy system that is both clean and safe from democracy's enemies. Jobs may be lost and consumption curtailed in the process, but like war, this is a task our generation must carry out for the sake of the next. That's it. Again... Again, this this assumption there's gonna be a next generation the way these guys carry on, it's it's crazy. I just don't. Well, there is, but it's gonna be Star Trek the next generation. <laughs> oh, we can only hope. I mean, yeah, I mean, um, the you know Star Trek timeline is playing it, it, out. It, it, what is, is it? Reunification of Ireland, twenty twenty four. Then a global yep. nuclear holocaust. Yeah, um, some eugenics wars, which obviously we know quite a few characters in the UK that are fucking quite keen on the idea of that. Um, mm. Yeah. Today, our immediate geopolitical security demands the same, starting with Russian fuels. First off, love the idea of, like, being racist against types of fuel. That's that's great. Uh, secondly, that geopolitical security, this is fully a guy who spent too much time in the really losery parts of a university. Mm-hmm. Like, I do like how that logic is perfectly, like, that... Uh, couches his position perfectly uh, to be able to say no we shouldn't use uh, like rare earth metals that are like produced in China so that's that's a that's a fun little thought yeah yeah it does seem like that's that's quite a nice um, well not nice but effective uh, toolkit to pick up for the the hawkish cunt in future it's a very fucking weird article to actually like write and publish, especially in the Financial Times. I mean, I feel like it's basically here is the capitalist class's like, you know, position on how we're going to go forward, and it's get your marching orders right. We're going to be blaming all of the, you know, shocks and raised prices on war in Ukraine, and uh, it's vitally important that you keep your population sunk into concern about that rather than concern about the domestic agenda. The, the interesting thing to me there is the, um, you know, if, if you're going to take this as, like, oh, here's the marching orders for the capitalist class, etc. Like, there's a lot of shit in that that's actually, like, good. Um, shifting completely away from the fossil fuels, we cannot rely on that for the capitalists to be receiving marching orders that include that is bizarre. Yeah. It's not good in any it... meaningful way because it would have been good like 50 fucking years ago. Now it's just like <laughs> tragically too late, but at least they're doing it. Or at least it's in their like, minds that that's a thing that will have to happen. I don't I don't think it is like, so here's the thing. I don't think this is like going to be taken up, but there's been quite a few capitalists for a long time have been saying, listen, guys, we're actually headed towards disaster. We need to turn the ship around and they get ignored. So I think it's kind of, that's the bit that's going to be ignored basically, but they're going to say it anyway. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, I, either way, I just, I just thought it was quite interesting that it actually went as far as to say, oh yeah, by the way, we do actually kind of need to do this to stop this shit from happening. <laughs> we can we can only we can only move away from fossil fuels if we can do it for racist reasons. That's just perfectly cromulent lo- logic, and you <laughs> cannot argue with it. 
It's, it's the idea as well that this is all like the fault of Russia and Russia was this like perpetual thing that was always going to do this. Like, again, we didn't have to be involved in the early 90s. Like, we didn't have to be doing shit in there that made things happen this way. Yeah, Alas, we, we didn't have to basically inflict a Weimar Republic on fucking Russia, frankly. You know? We didn't have to go no, down that Not route. even, like, the good bits of the Weimar Republic, just the, the worst no. bits. Yep. Yeah, so... I just I just thought that was that was an interesting little little tidbit there from Rob, um, who's currently in flight and and very hungover by the sounds of it. Yes, yes. Um, is he is he fleeing from our wrath and retribution or? I don't know. Um, while he's in flight, I, I do understand the risk there is that he could nine eleven any one of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He wouldn't fucking dare. <laughs> He'll see you from above I mean, because he, of the giant moat you've got outside. Hi. I mean, to to be totally honest, David, he wouldn't nine eleven you because as he got close in the last like microsecond before he impacted into your house, he just see you standing it's out on the, on the lawn with well, you. <laughs> well, okay, true, but he just see you standing on the lawn with your arms spread, like you yes, know. yes, fully welcoming death, yes. Okay, and uh, if you would like more episodes, more bonus episodes, uh, you can get them at patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. Five pound a month gets you that. It gets you an early listen to the uh, Black Thoughts episodes and the ability to come back with some feedback on them. And it also gets you access to the Discord where you may post. And also check out the merch store, which is uh, praxiscast.tml.com. Uh, we've got hundreds of t-shirts, far too many t-shirts. Jamie keeps yeah. making t-shirts. Tell Jamie to stop making t-shirts. Don't actually. Um, Keep don't. buying the t-shirts. Jamie will probably yeah. make more. Yeah. <laughs> Just encourage uh, me. Nothing bad's ever happened from that. No, no, no. Nothing like um, this podcast, etc. The more, the more, like, because stu- the, the t-shirts now were sort of hurtling towards the point where I'm actually drawing the art myself. And the longer I do that and the more impressed people are with it, the more likely the wife is to murder me in my sleep. Because she's an actual <laughs> artist and, like, you know, can't, like, fucking get paid for her art. But I'm getting paid, like, you know, a couple of quid a shirt for drawing a fucking skull in MS Paint. I'm hereby launching a campaign for Jamie's missus to produce art to put on a T-shirt for us. I think I'd be mint. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be like, not. Cause she got mad about the fucking uh, the too horny to live shirt, the fucking tantric headache one. Because <laughs> like you know, I was like, oh look at this, look at this cool flaming skull I drew, and she's like really mad about how like crappy my flaming skull skills are, and she's like, I can't believe you'd sit and draw that when you've got like an artist in the house. And I was like, would you have drawn it? Would you have drawn that for a t-shirt with that slogan on? No. I was like, well there you go then. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. We need to give her like one of our obscene prompts and get her to do something very elaborate and calligraphic with it. That'd be fantastic. Oh, she's not. Gonna, I tell you right now, she's not going to do anything with like obscenity in it or anything. Do you know what I mean? She's like fucking just a, a total like well-behaved goody two-shoes person. <laughs> but are you there to balance her out? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that works. Do you know what I mean? Perfectly balanced as all things should be. Um, all right. On that note, uh, let's let's fuck off. Aye. Off we all shall right. fuck. Goodbye. Yep. That's your whack. See ya. Bye. Cheerio. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>